0: Welcome everybody to the Lugnuts and Beer podcast. I'm host Tom Crilly, joined by my co-host Dylan Flickinger. Kyle Busch won the Duck Commander 500 at Texas Motor Speedway last weekend. Dale Earnhardt Jr. rallied to second. Martin Truex Jr. watched his dominating performance slip away in the final 30 laps and NASCAR heads to the last great coliseum at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. But before we get into that, what beer are you drinking over there, buddy? This is the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. Right uh,
1: yes. The beer I have this week is absolutely ginormous in size and ginormous in taste. <laughs> it is... Are you drinking a 40? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it has to be close to a 40. It's 22 ounces. Um, it's 9.2% alcohol. This is called the Mocha Obscuro. So this is one that won an award that Peabody Heights Brewing that we t- uh, we talked about last week, um, last year had an American Dream homebrew contest, and this beer won it. And so it was just a, a random guy, Dave uh, Humes, who brewed this, and then he was just doing a real small scale. Well, since he won this contest, um, Peabody Heights Brewery decided to brew it, um, a whole bunch of it for him. So it's absolutely delicious it's an imperial stout um with chocolate and cold brewed coffee um mixed in on the the brewing process so it's delicious
0: man are we talking about just like a, a like a random guy in his basement
1: just you know brewing up this concoction that ended up being incredible you know i don't know how dave humes brewed this what his process was i i the way it was explained to me that's what it sounded like but yeah yeah he was probably just sitting in his basement brewing this away probably some (laughs) hundred dollar home kit he got uh and he put some cold brew coffee in it and sure enough here we are now i've got a i've got i've got a 40 of it that by the time i get to the bottom since it's 9.2 percent alcohol out this podcast will be real interesting
0: it's a good thing you're sitting down in a chair, man. Does that thing have wheels? Because you might have to wheel yourself to the bed. <laughs> That's
1: right. I feel like, I well, just from the size of it, I feel like I'm getting an arm workout putting up to my lips. So I, I'm being <laughs> really productive during this podcast, getting my workout in.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can't beat it. You're getting a workout and a buzz. What
1: more could you ask for?
0: You know, people don't really have time to work out anymore, you know, so if you could just mold the best of both worlds and drink while burning calories, gain gain calories while burning them off, I mean, I think that's a pretty genius idea.
1: Here we are, man, just coming up with ideas per usual.
0: You, You know, like... Well, first of all, just the f- if if this guy actually did just brew this in his basement, I mean, I'm sure he had experience and a lot of practice. But I mean, I respect that because a few years back, my roommates and I, we decided that we wanted to be master beer brewers. Like we were all gung ho about it. So uh, my buddy Sid, you know, bought all the equipment and all the the pots and bottles and uh, and like bottle cap machines and like just everything you can imagine, all the the basics as far as the equipment goes. And we brewed, I think, a total of four batches of beer, and they were all just god-awful, <laughs> every one of them. So, uh, like, it's a, it's a finicky process, man. I mean, like, everything has to be really exact, and if one thing isn't right, it just it doesn't turn out right at all.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I, I know for Christmas a few years ago, I got one of those home brewing kits, and it was really, really basic, but... I I brewed two batches, the two that like came with the starter kit, and one was barely drinkable. The other, I don't think any of us even tried because it was it was so awful. It it was just a, an absolute disaster. So yeah, good on Dave Humes for doing this. I don't know. I don't think they like continuing to like to brew it. I think it was a one time deal. Like hey, we're gonna brew a ton of this. Um, so we have it, and now it's over, but who knows? Maybe in 2016, for the American Dream homebrew, Dave Humes will come back with another uh, another legend, a legendary brew.
0: Or maybe you and I will brew the lug nuts and Beer beer, Ooh. and it will be, it'll be the latest
1: craze. That, that could be a thing. Uh, hints, could be. hints of motor oil and and grease and, and elbow grease
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and, and honestly a, a nice
1: little dose of the american dream <laughs> oh man that just <laughs> appealed so much to me as a nascar fan i'd drink that <laughs> right. so oh man anyways what are what are you drinking buddy I'm drinking the.
0: I'm, I went with Great Lakes again. Uh, it seems like, man, it seems mm-hmm. like every single time we do this podcast, I'm drinking either Bud Light or one of the <laughs> Great Lakes variety of beers. Like I can't get away from it. I think I need to diversify a little bit. Uh, I'm giving Great Lakes it's... way too much free advertising. Here is what it really comes down to.
1: And they're not very appreciative. <laughs>
0: no, they're not. <laughs> I'm probably going to get a cease. Wait. I'm probably going to get a cease and desist here pretty soon. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. probably. Um, what what Great Lakes is it? It is the Turntable Pilsner. Uh, hmm. I honestly really don't know anything about it other than the fact that it's a okay. Czech style pilsner. Um, I generally have faith in pretty much anything Great Lakes does. I know I've expressed my admiration for them many times on this podcast, but I really do just I like their beer. I'm a I'm a Great Lakes uh, Great Lakes fan for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, it's an Ohio beer too, which is which is good i like I like that you're supporting the local guys
0: it is I'm supporting the local guy. One local guy that I have quit supporting officially is Josh Gordon, so Brown's wide receiver <laughs>
1: Josh Gordon. ah, oh, man, that guy just he can't get it figured out man i I don't know what his deal is. We could devote an entire podcast to everything wrong with the Cleveland Browns, but yeah, he's just another shiny example.
0: Yeah. You know, if like, I feel like one day we could almost just devote a random one off podcast to the mess that is the Cleveland Browns. But I feel like so many outlets and publications and blogs and podcasts have already, and radio shows have already devoted enough time
1: to how much of a disaster the Cleveland Browns are. So I know. I know. And it would just be so depressing. I hear it day in and day out. And People, people don't even care about the Browns. They just feel bad.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Like, I tell people who aren't Browns fans, and they're like, oh, you poor, poor person.
0: They just apologize. Like, there used to be a time where they would be, like, you know, they would be hating on you and giving you hell for being a Browns fan because you were a rival. And now it's just kind of like, they just feel sorry for you.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. That's a sad... Sad thing as a fan of a sports team when when your rivals pity you rather than want to beat you right badly, right. yeah, uh, anyways, let's talk about something less depressing
0: let's yeah, let's get straight into the race, which depending on who you're a fan of may also <laughs> have been depressing so um i I don't know I mean, what did you think of the race, buddy i mean we're we're here we're you know what five six, seven races now into this low downforce package I think it's been pretty great so far Texas maybe not as much excitement for the fans
1: yeah yeah I'd, I would I agree with that that there wasn't as much excitement it was it was hard after a two-hour rain delay like that and then the the race gets started under under caution and it just wasn't the most exciting race which is okay. I mean, there's still storylines to go off of, and you're gonna have those races throughout the season. You're not gonna get every race that is a nail biter, but not nah, it was, it was wasn't the most exciting race this season. And in fact, it might it might have been the least exciting to truthfully.
0: yeah you know what I think honestly the the biggest problem with it was what? I think it's just the fact that it's a night race. Uh, to me, the novelty of night races have kind of worn off. I remember back when they were becoming a thing, you know, a couple decades ago. You know, tracks were installing lights. It was kind of this huge new thing. It was cool, you know, racing under the lights, all the intense action at night. It was pretty cool. But to be completely honest with you, generally at most tracks, night racing does not produce the best on track product because when you think what creates a lot of passing you think hot slick tracks create a lot of passing because there's no grip so when they race at one in the afternoon in texas you know that would be a hot slick track but they're racing at night it happened to be a pretty cool night and a cool night followed by a rain delay which washed all the rubber off the track just creates a lot of grip and the more grip there is the less passing there is you know it helps uh, people kind of stick to the racetrack a little better. So um, honestly, I think that's kind of part of it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think the coolest thing for me about the night race was just the fact that, that the pit signs are so awesome that each team <laughs> uses. Those yeah. things are cool, man. They're all lit up. I saw some cool pictures down pit road. Uh, yeah, but you you hit it on the head with what you said, and that's probably the reason for some of some of the less exciting racing. But it was racing nonetheless.
0: Well, and, and that's the thing too, though. I think, I mean, e- even the ratings are down, and the ratings are always down on Saturday night races. They just are. NASCAR mm-hmm. gets the highest ratings on Sundays, Sunday afternoons. And it's because, I mean, it's it's logical. It, it makes sense. Everybody has events and things going on on Saturday nights um, that are yep. just going to pull you away from the TV. You know, Sunday afternoons are kind of lazy afternoons. You know, those are af- those are days that are usually spent at home, time spent at home with your family where you can turn on the race and everybody expects it to be on Sunday afternoon. But when you have a Saturday night race, I mean, I feel like a good portion of the NASCAR fan base sometimes doesn't even know the race is on Saturday night I mean my dad has been watching racing since I watched it started watching it so I mean he's a, a, a pretty big fan and so we I mean he's been racing it since that would be 2000 or watching since watching it since 2001 and he told me on Sunday that he didn't even know the race was on on Saturday night he was just flipping through the channels and, and saw that it was on and turned it on but had it not been for that I mean he wouldn't even have watched the race. So a lot of it, I think, is even just an awareness problem.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, truthfully, even though we do this podcast and we know every week what's coming up, I f- completely forgot it was a Saturday night race until Saturday morning when I woke up. And had it not been for that uh, two-hour rain delay, I probably wouldn't have watched any of the race. Unfortunately, I'd had to, I had it on DVR, but I wouldn't have been able to watch the race because I had you know I was up in Pennsylvania um visiting and there I had other things going on and
0: yeah well I mean I remember that even even people who know that the race is on Saturday it's really easy to forget because you and I talked last week on this podcast about how the race was the first night race of the year coming up and then you texted me on Saturday and we like oh man I completely forgot the race was tonight it's just really forgettable because it's it's not normal you know in the mind of a nascar fan for a race to be on saturday night so i I really think a lot of the appeal has worn off maybe a couple you know night Mm -hmm. races here and there would be fun and exciting some of the more traditional ones like you know richmond even though they got rid of one of their night races this year and the all-star race and the coke 600 but i mean i think as it stands there's i don't know the exact number but i'm pretty sure it's around 10 night races and that's a lot
1: that is a lot yeah yeah definitely especially on saturday night and just to go back to what you said that that was a good point there's so much going on on saturday nights and i can't imagine that nascar unfortunately isn't at the for- forefront of a lot of people's minds so
0: even it doesn't even matter that it's nascar i mean thursday night football i love i love football um, and i'm a huge fantasy football you know player and so i usually have a, a stake in any game that's played but a lot of times I don't I completely forget that Thursday night football is a thing because you're just not expecting football to be on Thursday night, even though it's been that way for years now.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, I mean, if let's get in straight into the on track action, I mean, Martin Truex Jr. absolutely dominated the race. And for a long time there, I'm sitting there thinking, damn, that pick that I made last week before any of the practices is looking good. I just had a feeling about Martin Truex. I don't know why. I just had a feeling that he would be strong there. And boy, he sure was. He was good in all the practices. He was great in qualifying. And throughout the race, I don't think he was, he led by as much as eight seconds. And I don't think he was ever worse than third until the closing laps. And I mean, I'm talking in the last 30 laps, he was passed for the lead and plummeted to, uh, to what a sixth place finish.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He had an eight second lead early in the race. That's that's a really big lead in modern NASCAR.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, usually people don't even have the opportunity to get that far out before there's a caution or before something happens that bunches the field back up.
1: Yeah. He had a great car. Yeah, I was, that was, <laughs> oh man, disappointing. I felt so bad when he climbed out of his car and they did post race interview. You could just, you could see it on his face how disappointed he was, which you don't blame him. He had such a great car.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for Martin Truex, his team, and all of his fans, this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, In fact, last year, there was a stretch of three straight races in the spring where he led the most laps without winning. I know, I'm pretty sure Kansas was one of them, Charlotte was one of them, and I think Dover, the race you and I went to Mm -hmm. back in uh, late May, early June, was the third one of those led the most laps and all of those races came up empty handed each time until he finally won the fourth weekend at Pocono where he, uh, he, he finally sealed the deal and went back to victory lane there. So it's not the first time it's happened. I was reading on Twitter after the race, you know, from Martin Truex Jr. fans that were just tweeting, you know, oh, it's so hard being a Martin Truex Jr. fan. I know fans of a lot of drivers think that, you know, unless you're a fan of Kyle Busch or Jimmy Johnson, but it certainly happened <laughs> to him a lot. And I feel like with him if you're a fan you're pretty apprehensive until that moment he crosses the checkered flag you know or crosses the line with the checkered flag on the last lap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the their pit strategy there at the end of the race was pretty interesting too and that's something we've talked about before with other drivers. I know, you know, there is some luck involved with the how cautions come out and all that, but um that pit strategy at the end of the end of the race was questionable i would yeah, say
0: yeah well it, it, yeah i mean it it was but you're you kind of have to you know they made their bed and then they had to lay in it you know it's just one of those things where he's the leader and if there's a late race caution you're kind of a sitting duck when you're the leader, everybody behind you is going to do the opposite thing that you do. So if Truex came down and pitted more people probably would have stayed out. But since he stayed out, people came down and pitted because they knew they needed fresh tires to beat him. Cause he was, you know, the best car all day long. So you're really a sitting duck. Um, he had only had five laps on his tires. I believe mm-hmm. after that, uh, after they went back to green and that first caution came out and, uh, and they got going again and he was fine. He got out to the lead and he held off. Uh, chase Elliott and looked like things would stable out or stabilize out on those tires and then that second uh, kind of very successive caution happened and at that point it was too late for him to come into pit road because he knew that nobody else would since he stayed out the last time he knew if he came down pit road he'd be starting the very back so that second caution came out and a lot of people might have thought hey this is an opportunity for truex to come down here and get those fresh tires but it really wasn't i mean he had to stay out on the track there was nothing else he could do
1: Yeah, and I think after the race, Cole Pern said that the clean air, uh, they were kind of valuing that clean air up front over having the fresh tires, and unfortunately, just the wrong wrong decision, but like you said, you kind of just make your own bed there, and neither decision is possibly going to be the best decision, so you got to gamble, and...
0: Yeah, I mean, clean air is always worth something. The thing is, his tires weren't that much older than Kyle Busch's. We were seeing all night at Texas that tire fall-off was huge. I mean, we're talking they were losing seconds from the beginning of a run to the end of a run. So a lot of what happens, too, that people sometimes don't consider is the more heat cycles that happen on a set of tires, the worse it is for those tires. So you got to think, Martin Shureks Jr., went out there, ran five laps, right? So got a heat cycle in there, then stopped and had him cool off. And then they went back racing again for a couple more laps. Maybe it might've only even been a lap and mm-hmm. that's another heat cycle on those tires. So by the time they finally got racing again, his tires had already been full speed caution, full speed caution. And uh, ultimately that really burns out the 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 tire and Kyle Busch was able to just power around him there on the outside and cruise to victory.
1: Yes, he did. He did cruise to victory. Oh, that <laughs> Kyle Busch, that Kyle Busch. I know,
0: man. Hey, like, it's one of those things I feel a lot the same way about him as I do Jimmy Johnson. You don't have to like him, but you have to appreciate what he can do with a race car. I mean, they're just, you know, dominating drivers in the sport, and they kind of come and go. But the ones that have been consistently dominant for years, it seems like, are Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch. So. You just got to respect that talent.
1: Yeah, you got to respect it. And truthfully, no matter how you feel about Kyle Busch, you you can't hate on what the guy is doing right now. He's winning, and he he's loving life, man. I don't know if you see him on... Well, I'm sure everyone in the NASCAR community saw that video of him with a fan and signing their hat, which was cool. That's a cool... Cool move to do, but that he's just loving life, you know. I think in his post-race interview, he was talking about how thankful he is for his family, and I mean, I mean, when times are good, they're good, and he's winning a lot, obviously. But he's the dude's loving life. So when you see stuff like this and you're winning, can't hate on him too much. He's he hasn't done anything anything has of late to make you dislike him. So just, just appreciate what you're seeing is the way I view it. Anyway, after seeing him win four straight uh, NAS- NASCAR National Series races.
0: Yeah, it's certainly good to be Kyle Busch. I mean, since he came back from his injury last season, what uh, I think he's had, that's been 30-some races, maybe 35, 36 races since then, and he's won seven of them plus his first NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champion. And like you said, yes, he has won four straight NASCAR National Series races, two sprint, the past two Sprint Cup Series races, uh, a Truck Series race, and an Xfinity Series race, which makes him the only driver who has won a race since, what is that date? I, it was like March 20th, 20th, I think. The only NASCAR driver who's won a race in the three primary series in over twenty days and that won't even change until at the very earliest this Saturday. It's just absolutely insane.
1: Good Lord. Yeah. He won he won four races across different series within when across three different series within eight days. That's awesome. That's probably more than I'll win in my lifetime.
0: <laughs> I wish as like a fan of the sport I could witness that type of um run from my favorite driver or you know what I mean same or or from my favorite football team or my favorite basketball team or my favorite baseball team you know if the Cavs could reel off like four straight champions championships I wouldn't even know what to do with myself I mean I would just be absolutely like euphoric mind blown (laughs) yeah Yeah. euphoric perfect way to describe that
1: Uh, yeah 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 I mean he we're seeing a lot of history right now. I just I just had this thought in this moment. We're seeing a lot of history right now. We might see the Warriors break the NBA record tomorrow night. The end of the Kobe era is happening. And here we are in NASCAR. Kyle Busch, only the second driver ever to sweep consecutive NASCAR weekends. The first since 1991. It was Harry Gantt. Harry Gantt,
0: Harry Gant, 51 years old when he did it. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, that was crazy. Just the fact that Harry Gant did that when he was 51 years old is what blows my mind more than anything, I think. Wow, he
1: was 51. That's,
0: whew. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 accomplishment is amazing in and of itself. But when you add in his age there, I mean, there's not even a driver racing today who's 51 years old.
1: Yeah, good for that guy. That's
0: awesome. It's a young man's sport.
1: Uh-huh. Um.
0: So Truex, though, you know, it can't be lost in the shuffle here. He wasn't the only one who had bad luck. Carl Edwards also had a pretty dominating car. I would Mm -hmm. say he was probably um, just a little less competitive than Martin Truex Jr., but he even still, he led over 100 laps, proved to have a really good car in the short runs, and um, had a loose wheel there, didn't he, or some sort of pit penalty. I forget exactly what it was. It was a loose wheel. it, It cost him. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Carl Edwards pit crew is probably the best pit crew Mm -hmm. in all of NASCAR. I mean, they're right up there, at least with Denny Hamlin's and Kyle Busch's, you know, with the other Joe Gibbs cars that are heavy elite pit crews. Um, So they usually are gaining him spots on pit roads. Um, It's a rare mistake, but it's one that really cost him in the moment.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like, and this is going to sound so, so simplified and such a no brainer. But I wrote down while I was watching the race a- after I saw both Truex, what happened with him, and I guess that's not so much. That's just a call by by the, by Cole Pern. Um, but with Carl Edwards and a couple other drivers, um, Trevor B- uh, Trevor Bain had a rough night. Uh, um, they tried on their pit strategy. Uh, Keselowski, Brad Keselowski, had to pit, I believe, for the same reason Carl Edwards did. And then Kevin Harvick, he had an uncontrolled tire as well. There was a lot, a lot going on with crews, and it just made me think that. And like I said, I know it sounds silly, but the drivers who win the most are the ones that make the least mistakes, and that's so so simplified. But it's a lot to put together between the drivers, between the pit crews, the guy that's controlling that tire, um, you know, the the crew chiefs. There is a lot that has to happen on one night and everything go right for you to win a race. And we saw it at Martinsville, Dale, on what, lap seven, I think it was, or four or something. And you, and such a simple little mistake like that happens and you spend the rest of the race trying to make up for it. And consistently we see the guys winning races that can get as close to perfect as possible.
0: Well, and, and in all fairness, sometimes it's not even a mistake you make. Sometimes it's just purely bad luck. Yep. Uh Dale Earnhardt Jr had one of his better qualifying efforts of the season. I think he qualified 16th for this race. He immediately was moving forward, clearly had one of the best cars and was running right around the top 5 for most of the race. Um I believe he was 3rd when he came in and and kicked off a series of green flag pit stops uh, he came in to the pits and so did his teammate jimmy johnson and as while they were on pit road a car smacked the wall and the caution came out effectively trapping them one lap down so dale had a great air free race and was running third and all of a sudden in a matter of seconds he's a lap down because before all the other cars could come down pit road he a caution came out while he was on pit road so you think he's you know Plodding along at 50, 55 miles per hour down pit road, getting four tires, a fuel t- full tank of fuel, and he goes off. Well, under normal circumstances, all those other cars would be coming down pit road and everything would equal out. But just the luck of the draw, horrible timing. If he'd waited two laps more, that wouldn't have happened. So, luck you know, he was the lucky dog. Uh, but then he had to go back all the way back to the tail end of the lead lap and work his way all the way back up through. He rebounded incredibly nicely uh, to a second place finish had a car that he said he felt like should have won the race, but obviously Kyle Busch's team fine-tuned on their car and kind of got him out front when it mattered most, and Kyle Busch ran away with it there at the end. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, this is uh, coming up this weekend. We've got uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, the second short track race of the season, the last great Coliseum. Personally, it's my favorite place to see a race. Uh, what What are you looking for this weekend?
1: I'm looking for that T-V Man, that thing is mm-hmm. huge. What they're calling it Colossus or
0: something? I think that's what they're calling. I, yeah, it. the Colossus T V screen, a seven hundred ton structure.
1: Three stories tall of T V screen. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. That is awesome. I kinda wanna just go to the race this weekend just to see it, but I'm gonna hold off until the fall, I think. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't know. I, I Truth to tell you the truth, I'm curious to see what Kyle Bush is gonna do. I don't know. It's like a it's like a heat check with this guy right now. Um, you know, in basketball, when someone's just going off and they're just making it from everywhere on the court, and you're just like, dude, just it's a heat check. You, I'm gonna pass it to you. You do whatever you want. I don't care. Shoot it over your head. It'll probably go in. That's how you feel backwards within. on the racetrack. See if you can win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, drive blindfolded for a few laps. I don't know. Probably won't wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. So, um, I don't know. It should be, it should be a fun race. Uh, I, I'm excited for those two silly reasons, but, uh, Bristol is always fun. It's another short track or second out of three relatively short track races here in four, four weeks. So should be good. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I am really looking forward to seeing that TV screen as well. I think it's really cool. They built it, obviously, here for the uh, the big college football game that's going to be played there this fall, uh, Virginia Tech, and I forget who they're playing, but uh, they're going to transform Bristol Motor Speedway into a football stadium for one night, so that's going to be absolutely wild. Um, I think the new Xfinity Series format for the Xfinity race here on Saturday is going to be interesting. They're doing uh, heat racing for the first time, um, which I'm very curious to see how that plays out. They're going to do two heat races to determine the starting lineup for the final 200 lap dash at Bristol Motor Speedway. So that's going to be, I think, very exciting to watch. Uh, they have a whole new dash, dash for cash format for the Xfinity Series drivers, which is super complicated And honestly, there's way too many if this, then that. And if this happens, then that happens. And then if you place here, this means this for you. So we're not going to get into that here, but uh, I'm sure there's plenty of resources for all of our listeners to look that up. Um, I'm excited because my all-time favorite football player is going to be in attendance. Mr. Peyton Manning himself (laughs) is going to be at Bristol Motor Speedway um, with the Nationwide gang. Uh, Obviously, one of his big sponsors is Nationwide, and obviously so is Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s. So uh, when Dale Jr. is introduced during driver int- introductions, Peyton Manning is going to walk out with him, be the honorary pace car driver, and he'll be sitting atop Dale Jr.'s pit box for the race. So I think that's uh, really cool. And like I said, I'm just a huge Peyton Manning fan, so that's going to be exciting to see.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. I didn't know you... I had no idea you were such a Peyton Manning fan. It's pretty oh, I cool. Mean, he's,
0: just the, he's just the consummate professional. I mean, he is... He was nothing – he just embodied greatness from the moment he entered the league to the moment he retired. Do you know he was drafted number one overall in the 1998 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and obviously that meant he was going to get himself a nice paycheck, and somebody asked him, I forget who it was, I think maybe a reporter asked him what he was going to do with all that money, and you know what he said? No. He said, I'm going to earn it.
1: Like that. I like yeah. that answer. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Let's go win some championships, <laughs> Mr. Manning.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: So and that I mean, he from did. literally,
0: literally from day one, he was just embodied professionalism, and he was, to me, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I mean, to any, but nobody's gonna argue that, you know.
1: Yeah. I was worried there for a second you were gonna go with Johnny Manziel as your favorite all time NFL player. He's like no, the
0: I I no God, no. he's like, like the anti hero the... for
1: everything we just said. You just yeah, said. Yeah, I never yeah.
0: I didn't <laughs> I didn't want the Browns to draft him to begin with, so I'm glad that story's over.
1: No, yeah, that's circus. But yeah, that'll be pretty cool <laughs> that he's there in attendance. Um definitely the the nationwide jingle gonna be going through. I'm sure we'll see about a thousand nationwide commercials during the race. Is that nationwide or is that state Who's that's do? nationwide. Yeah, nationwide. he does it for nationwide. That's right. I questioned myself there for a second, but that's right. Uh,
0: hopefully, he's hopefully he hopefully he's singing Dale Junior in Victory Lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: please! <laughs> that's good. That is good. I like that. <laughs> all right. All, uh, right. all right, buddy. Who you got this weekend? I'm. I want to go with Matt Kenseth. Uh, he, he, that guy is due. He's due, long overdue, and his four wins at Bristol is the most at any track for that guy. So I want to go with him, but I can't. We've picked him too many times and he's let us down. So I'm heat checking on Kyle Busch. Why would you pick against him?
0: <laughs> uh, not to mention he's really good at Bristol as well. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so man. that's my pick. Who do you got?
0: Uh, well, first of all, it pains me that you said we can't pick Matt Kenseth because I was also going to say him. But you're <laughs> right; he has let us down way too many times. But Matt Kenseth, obviously, Bristol's one of his best racetracks. He's won at Bristol more times than he's won at any other track, which is saying something because he's won over thirty career races. Um, but uh, you can somebody- go with
1: him if you if you want to be disappointed. I don't care.
0: <laughs> no somebody <laughs> i think uh the guy who's going to make it to victory lane this weekend is uh brad kozlowski
1: okay that's a good pick that's yeah it's good just pick.
0: it's another one of those okay. feeling picks he's won a race this year uh he's been a little quiet the past few weeks but i expect him to get up there and make some noise so we'll see I'm going with the two car
1: all right all, all right Deuce. we'll see you picked it you picked a good one last week that almost won so we'll see
0: Side note, if anybody's looking for, I don't necessarily know if you could call this a sleeper pick, uh, but Kurt Busch, he hasn't made a whole lot of noise this year, but he's racing with Stuart Haas Racing. He's in good equipment, and believe me, he is really good at Bristol Motor Speedway because <laughs> the, f- the first three or four races that I saw there as a child uh, were won by Kurt Busch. I mean, consecutive years in the spring race. I mean, he just looked seemed, felt like he was winning there every, every year I'd go down to watch a race there, so... You gotta kind of yep. always look for him to be a threat.
1: Yeah, he's had some good finishes this year, some top tens. Uh, he, yeah, it just yeah, never looked that like is he was a good for pick. a win, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you.
0: All right, buddy. Let's uh, let's send him off here.
1: All right. Bye, everybody. See you, folks.